Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Triangles Meditation Group. Today is March 30th, 2020. The purpose of this webinar is to introduce the work of triangles to those people who are new to it and to aid them in the forming of triangles. And it's also a platform for people who are already members of triangles to come together each week and participate in a meditative alignment in the support and strengthening of the planetary network. Triangles is a simple visualization technique using the power of thought and prayer to uplift and transform consciousness. The work is simply the establishing of a line of lighted, loving communication between three people who agree to vivify that triangular link every day. Three people linked together as a triangle of light, mentally, spiritually, and in a spirit of goodwill to all humanity. Their triangle is then placed within the planetary network of triangles. And as the network is visualized, the great invocation, a world prayer is sounded in order to release and circulate spiritual energies throughout the etheric network and into the consciousness of all open hearts and minds that can respond to spiritual stimulation when it's released into the atmosphere. Triangles workers come together to dissipate the glamour of the astral plane, drawing what they need from cosmic etheric levels and pouring it down and releasing it into the three worlds of daily living. Through this means, we're playing our part in meeting human need and also the need of all living beings, following in the footsteps of the great ones who've paved the path before us. Triangles need only take a few minutes each day and can therefore be fit into even the busiest of schedules. So if you're new to this work, and respond to the idea of planetary service, please consider forming a triangle by placing your name in the chat box here today. And hopefully two other members of the webinar will agree to form a new triangle with you. Okay, I'm sorry about that. I'm not sure why there was no sound. I'll reintroduce Susan because I'm not sure if you heard that. She's our guest speaker today after 
the meditation. Susan McNeil is a licensed psychotherapist practicing in New York City. Her study of the Ageless Wisdom teachings for 32 years has informed her presentations and publications and been incorporated into her psychotherapeutic practice. She's affiliated with the non-governmental organization, the Aquarian Age Community, headquarters at the United Nations here in New York. So we welcome and look forward to hearing from Susan after the meditation. So now, as we always do, let's come together with a brief visualization, followed by a sounding of mantra. Let's lift our consciousness to as high a point upon the mental plane. Look out over the world, seeing it as one of light with here and there points and centers of intensified light. See the energies of this network of light pulsating to the rhythm of human aspiration. Regard the group within the planetary network as a channel among many channels transmitting the energy of the spiritual hierarchy. Imagine the potent love energy pouring through the network of light, stimulating the many points and centers of energy, transforming the pulsating energy into the rhythm of the planetary heartbeat. Radiance are we and power. We stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need. We reach into the silent place 
and bring from thence the gift of understanding. Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. The theme of invocation and evocation, which Susan will be addressing later, is a central aim underlying this period of the higher interlude of the spiritual year into which we're entering. We work together as a group in concert with the great planetary triangle of hierarchy, Shambhala and humanity, and of course, with the new group of world servers to together invoke the available energies and forces to come to the aid of a suffering humanity and all kingdoms in nature. As we prepare at this time for the Aries full moon, which occurs next Tuesday, April 7th at 10.35 PM in New York, we begin to work within this potent energy field in preparation for that event. Through a united appeal to the forces of light, the downpouring energies can be released in human aspiration to build and reconstruct the world along sound lines in support of life. We're encouraged during the full moon to observe a five-day approach, as most of you know, two days of preparation prior to the full moon, the day of the full moon itself, known as the day of safeguarding, followed by two days of distribution of the available energies as a potent form of planetary service. We can all add to the potency of our work and service by making the attempt to sound the great invocation during this preparatory period at key points in the daily cycle. At sunrise, noon, five o'clock, sunset, and before retiring. The Tibetan has told us that doing this practice strengthens the potency of our work, aiding the forces of light to find release and outlet in our world. It's said that the higher interlude period following upon a festival week period, such as we had at the end of last year, is, is a particularly momentous significance. Perhaps in one sense, we could say that the potency of December's festival week period, which brought in, brought in such a charge of first-rate energy, could very well be related to the unfolding situation in the world at this time. The powerful will energy that poured in is capable of being directed by both the forces of light, as well as by the forces of materialism, with their vastly differing agendas. One fortunate opportunity offered to those who stand within the heart center of the new group of world servers is despite the seeming disintegration and the consequent chaos and suffering manifesting upon outer levels, 
simultaneously a real opportunity is being created for the spiritual forces to mobilize through the self-isolation and dismantling at least of some of the distractions of contemporary life, affording us a great opportunity. As we work together to transmute the impouring energies, we serve to aid in the preparation of human consciousness for the externalization. Each of the festivals of the higher interlude are accompanied, we're told, by powerful impouring forces. <clears throat> At Easter, they are called the forces of restoration, which are said to culminate at the time of the Easter full moon. These are the most powerful of the three forces in that they stem from extraplanetary realms and overshadow the world teacher, aiding him in the task which he must shoulder. The spiritual hierarchy is thereby stimulated at this time. The Tibetan asks us not to misunderstand these forces because of their name. He wrote, the hierarchy is not occupied with the restoration of the old order, with the state of life prior to the war, or with the renewal of the theologies, religious, political, and social, which have governed in the past and which have been largely responsible for that war. The restoration referred to here is psychological in nature, but will work out in the restoration of the will to live, and the will to good. It will consequently be foundational and will guarantee the new civilization and culture. We can surely find parallels between the aftermath of the World War and the situation with which we are being presented at this time. Only now the situation is working out on a global scale and in a more concentrated manner and with different intentions and underlying results. The present pandemic is surely a war of sorts, and like all wars, is wrecking havoc upon the structures of the past and highlighting the need for fundamental changes so as to provide for people and protect life. But as the Tibetan indicates, the changes needed and highlighted at this time are largely psychological a restoration of our minds and hearts, which we might find challenging due to outer situations. But if we can tap into the potent influx of energies available to us, we can participate in this fundamental renovation of our minds, releasing us within our inner lives, the seeds of rebirth and reinvigoration invigoration of human aspiration. The Tibetan went on to write that the energies if released upon the earth will render futile the efforts of the old order. So it's really an important opportunity that we can learn as a group to work with this. The efforts of these energies is also involved to restore that not to restore that what was, but to bring back something new, which existed perhaps in our ancient history when the plan was more fully working out, but which now 
can have a period of restoration. So today, let us fervently dedicate our energies towards aiding humanity as a whole to embrace that which is upon the horizon and move towards the new vision that is coming into view and the seeds of a new life and a restoration of a beleaguered humanity. These new and living restorative forces can guide us out of the dark cave of death, isolation, and selfishness, and into the light of the new day. These are the energies that will be poured into humanity at Easter time and seized by the men and women of goodwill everywhere, enabling them to think clearly, speak forcefully, demand spiritually, and implement the inner plans with intelligence. This week, someone emailed a poem to the Triangle's desk, and I wanted to share it with you all because it demonstrates the prevision of an Irish poet who perhaps was able to project her consciousness into our day and time when she wrote of the potential a time such as this might hold within it. It was written by Kathleen O'Meara in 1869, and it's called, And People Stayed Home. And people stayed home and read books and listened and rested and exercised and made art and played and learned new ways of being and stopped and listened deeper. Someone meditated, someone prayed, Someone danced, someone met their shadow, and people began to think differently, and people healed. And in the absence of people who lived in ignorant ways, dangerous, meaningless, and heartless, over the earth, it began to heal. And when the danger ended, and people found each other and grieved for the dead people, and they made new choices, dreamed new visions, and created new ways of life, and healed the earth completely, just as they were healed themselves. So now let's link in thought as a soul as a point of love and light with all those people throughout the world who are working with this Triangles Meditation Group. Let's invoke the center of Shambhala. In the center of the will of God, I stand. Not shall deflect my will from his. I implement that will by love. I turn towards the field of service. I, the triangle divine, work out that will within the square and serve my fellow men.
using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light to create a triangle of light. Visualize the triangle in which you are working as an essential part of the Radiant Worldwide Triangles Network. Hold the consciousness immersed within the light of the group soul, the heart of love which underlies and infuses the network. Now lift the consciences to the world teacher who stands as the heart of love at the center of the spiritual hierarchy and also at the heart of each triangle.
Hold the group mind open and receptive to the imparting energy of love. Visualize light and goodwill circulating around the triangles from point to point and flowing out through the network into the hearts and minds of men and women everywhere, healing and transforming human consciousness and establishing right human relationships. Visualize the whole planet alight with triangles. See new triangles being formed everywhere. Prior to sounding the great invocation, let's pause to consider the work to be done by the words as they're poured out. And as we repeat each stanza, let's visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities 
and humanity and as a channel through which light and love and divine purpose may flow into human consciousness. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center, which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. And now I'd like to welcome Susan. Thank you so much, Susan, for being with us. Thank you, Kathy. That was so beautiful, the talk and the meditation. So I appreciate it. Um, so my topic is, what is the science of invocation and evocation? And how can the one humanity invoke and evoke love and wisdom? So to ask what is the science of invocation and evocation is to answer the question, what is the scientific method for alignment, the call with the masters of wisdom and for receiving the response from that call or alignment? To my mind, evocation responds to invocation with the principle of love. They are expressions of divinity and humanity in order to manifest a living relationship through the hearts and minds of humankind. 
Being receptive to impression of love and wisdom therefore connects us to the science of invocation and evocation. It's stated in the text, The Reappearance of the Christ, that man invokes divine approach in various ways by means of the voiceless appeal or invocative cry of the masses, and also by the planned defined invocation of the spiritually oriented aspirants, the intelligently convinced worker, disciple, and initiate, by all in fact who form the new group of world servers. The text goes on to explain the science of invocation and evocation will take the place of what we now call prayer and worship. While the word science often brings to mind a sort of expressionless domain of facts or process, the Tibetan explains it's in reality the intelligent organization of spiritual energy and of the forces of love. And these, when effective, will evoke the response of spiritual beings. In the New Testament, Mark 8.36 says, what serveth a man if he gain the whole world and lose his immortal soul? Then how can the one humanity invoke the love and wisdom desperately needed these days to evoke the awakening minds and hearts to Mark's true wise truism that gaining through ruthless power and greed is ultimately to lose one's immortal soul? There are different levels of invocation. The first level are the masses of people suffering in the world who are unconsciously sending stress calls to the universe, sometimes referred to as the cry of humanity, who are struggling in life. This is one form of invocation. Secondly, there are those who go to church and religious institutions and use prayer and ceremonial worship to express their needs and suffering. Although the Tibetan conveys in the reappearance of the Christ that at no time has the spiritual life of the race been at such a low ebb and that our churches have failed to, re to teach humanity to live rightly, he actually states that the world of men is on the rocks spiritually. However, thirdly, there are the aspirants, disciples, and initiates who use formally constructed invocative thought forms, which equally express what the other two groups are expressing, but which additionally entrains the other two invocative group expressions along with their own, thereby enhancing and amplifying the invocative call. An example from the political arena might be when the crisis, and at first I thought of climate change, but certainly now it's the coronavirus, appears, then the needs and wishes from humanity are called forth in response to this cause or need invocation. Then what approach or response from hierarchy or Shambhala does this call forth, evoke, evocation? These methods of invocation will come to constitute the bones or structure of what is often spoken of as the new world religion. This new invocative work will include the masses of people that have been trained by many spiritual traditions to, as Alice Bailey states, accept the fact of the approaching spiritual energies focused through the world teacher and his spiritual hierarchy 
and trained also to voice their demand for light, demand for liberation, and demand for understanding. There will also be the skilled work of invocation as practiced by those who have trained their minds through right meditation, who know the potency of formulas of words, which will later be given to the race, just as the Lord's Prayer was given by the Christ, and as the new invocation has been given out for use at this time by the hierarchy. I remember listening with, and feeling such joy upon hearing a reading of the great invocation by Eleanor Roosevelt at the United Nations. It was given to her as a world prayer that she wanted to share, not only with the general public, but with those higher level servers who work at the UN. The Tibetan further describes the great invocation being used by the general public as a hope for light, a hope for love, and a hope for peace for which they long. The Tibetan suggests that they will also regard it as a prayer for the enlightenment of all rulers and leaders in all groups who are handling world matters, as a prayer for the inflow of love and understanding among men and women so that they may live in peace with one another and as a demand for the working out of the will of God. The hope is that humanity will also be able to use this invocation as a vehicle for eliminating evil and pain and for restoring happiness. The use of the great invocation by aspirants, esotericists, and spiritually minded people will have a more specific and informed relationship. They will in many ways symbolize a standing intellectual army prepared to respond both individually and to support those leaders and representatives and congressional officials who speak to and embody the principle of light, love and the will to good. To dream the impossible dream is our function, mission as per the divine plan, esoterically speaking, to invoke through group intent vision and need, thus evoking a response from the spiritual triad, and then receiving this evocation, absorbing, sharing, circulating, and ultimately distributing the evocative response energy, which brings about the one humanity and symbolizes a magnetic rapport, the spirit of relationship. This emerging age has many new resonant types of individuals. Additionally, the Tibetan speaks of a new type of mystic who combines both head and heart, intelligence and feeling, plus an intuitive perception. And while each of these pre-mentioned groups, the masses of humanity, the relig religious worshipers, and the aspirants and disciples forms an ascending chain of resonant invocation, they will also, according to the Tibetan, be uniquely gifted individuals at each of these levels who will serve as intermediaries to the masters of wisdom. And needless to say, even from that evolved position, these masters continue to utilize the same invocation to invoke energetic forces from Shambhala and beyond. Spirituality guides us out of dark places. And it is through sound, music, prayer, as well as giving voice to the Om and the great invocation that our power as the one humanity is heard and felt throughout the ages. Sound affects humanity 
as we saw early on when we lost the sound, and human affairs, and is known as the science of sound. Whereas sound is life itself, counsels Alice Bailey in the teaching. The cry, sound of invocation, comes from a demand for the good, the true, and the beautiful to prevail. As the one humanity sounds this cry together, from a deep center of the group need, the group in due course wants more for the other than for itself, hence service, the soul's purpose. What follows is described by the Tibetan as an imperative of the coming new age. The work initiated by the world teacher 2000 years ago must be completed. The new world religion must be inaugurated. The needs of a demanding, invocative humanity cannot be ignored. Those steps which precede a stupendous hierarchical initiation in which the Christ is the leading participant must be taken. I believe that the new age is an embodiment of initiation and expansion of consciousness. In this way, the mass of men and women will be transformed and spiritualized, and the two great divine centers of energy or groups, the hierarchy and humanity itself, will begin to work in complete at one mint and unity. Then the kingdom of God will indeed and in truth be functioning on earth. As we imagine the science of invocation and evocation, becoming a part of the one humanity's skill to invoke and evoke love, the unifying, the binding, the attractive, the creative, and wisdom, the illuminating, the organizing, the synthesizing, the integrative. We then understand that, that, that these two principles underlie all world processes, which is the inspiring energy behind evolutionary unfoldment, and brings into relationship the communication between the great centers of our planet, humanity, hierarchy, and Shambhala. Thank you. Thank you, Suzanne. That was so clear and potent um, and so perfect for us to start our work um, towards the spiritual, the higher interlude of the spiritual year. So I'm sure, well, there are many comments already, but um, I'm sure there will be more. And we've now come to the point in our webinar where we would like to hear from you, um, either by raising your hand, which you do by clicking on your name in the participants box and we'll unmute your microphone. And you can bring a comment or a question for Susan, or you can, post a comment in the chat box. Um, so there's quite a few already, Susan. So if you wanted to choose anything, uh, if you wanted to comment on anything, can you see the chat box? I can see, I'm kind of looking down. I see comments and um, somebody said, this virus is part of the climate change issue. Yeah. Issue, and somebody said, huh? <laughs> um, you know, it probably is all related because, um, climate change forced millions of millions of people out of their, you know, out of the land and into cities. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, who, who knows what that kind of uh, mass gathering brought about. I mean, I don't know if there's scientific proof of it, but uh, possibly. 
Yeah. And um, it seems that operating from higher realms and not only affects our planet, but indeed within the universe, yeah, and the solar system and beyond. Diane Rogers, that's, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I was also thinking of um, esoteric healing and, uh, and, and how much in esoteric healing the, the idea of magnetism and radiation. And I think of magnetism as invocation and radiation as evocation. Mm-hmm. And, and just really a, a, attracting, it's the power of the soul. Yes. Um, we have a hand raised here, so I'll unmute uh, Matthew's microphone. Hello, Matthew. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, okay. How about let us use the part of the gray invocation to actually eliminate the virus itself. Uh, For instance, let us use, may light descend on earth. Let's move that to let light descend into the virus and eliminate its darkness. I'll leave you with that to think about. that we could be working on that. We have the, as humanity, as human beings, it is our right and our responsibility to use invocation. Yes. That's, I would just say that the invocation in and of itself is supremely powerful. So in my understanding, if you are to um, use it as it is, um, it's the most powerful tool we have, but we can uh, know, therefore, that it is aiding in this transition out of this uh, virus period, hopefully, too. Uh, I also think that, you know, when we do, say, the in- great invocation and we're um, letting in the light and opening up um, you know, to the veils, having the rents and pouring it in. I think that's for an opening and a general healing, a yes. healing of so much illness and suffering. Yes. Thank you, Matthew. Any more comments you'd like to, to read? Pandemics are caused by fear and irritability in people. Well, they're, they diff, it's definitely um, a manifestation of the pandemic. And yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the ancient history of, um, of suffering, fear. Yeah, there's an, um, a nice compilation on the Lucis Trust website. If Michael is still here, if you could post that, a link to that on the chat box. Otherwise, if um, you can just go to Lucis Trust webpage and there's a, a compilation about the Tibetans writing on pandemics that you could look at. Uh, Christina writes that it felt like a new inaugurated vibration today. Thank you so much. Very inspiring talks. Thank you. So uh, 
maybe Kathy would be, Leslie says, many of us, I'm sure, have equated this coronavirus to the conjunction between Pluto, Saturn, and other planets in Capricorn, this time of great challenge and opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this part of Capricorn being really first ray energies, and then the Pluto and Saturn both being strongly um, part of the first ray energy as well. Many, many people have speculated that this would bring about a very, uh, very fundamental shift in our planetary life. So we're not too surprised. Um, and there's certainly, as people have been saying, a lot underlying what's going on in the world. Well, you know, it's almost like the silence everywhere, like, oh my God, New York City. Well, you're there, you know, times everywhere. It's so quiet and it's empty. And it feels like, and I, I read this somewhere, that it's love in action. Yeah. That we're doing it because we love people. We love our brothers and our sisters. We're trying to keep people safe. Yeah. Clarence, uh, you had your hand raised, but you disappeared. So I'm not sure if you would like to raise your hand again. Share, share some thoughts. Maybe there's a, a challenge with your, with your microphone or something. Oh, there you are. Okay. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, excellent. I had a problem with my microphone, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I just wanted to, um, I suppose, share a thought that um, we're obviously in very interesting times of great opportunity, great challenge. And um, <clears throat> there, is, there is guidance in, I'm thinking now of the full moon meditation outline that we, some of us use, um, guidance on, in using the great invocation, which is our theme today, the, the great invocation, um, to the visualization that accompanies it in terms of visualizing the downflow and outflow of energies um, eventually through the five planetary inlets. And um, the thought that goes with that is that we have just completed in these webinars a series on these five inlets. Um, and then immediately on conclusion uh, last week, we then had the, um, the declaration of lockdown in London. And it, I recognized then that may, maybe many of us did that the five planetary inlets are probably now more quiet, less frenetic than they have ever been in, at least in modern history. And it occurred to me that this, this um, entering of London into that, that condition with the, with the lockdown, relative quiescence, um, coincided with the new moon in Aries, which has already been referred to the, the Aries period, inaugurating the highest spiritual period in the year. And it seemed to me that it could be a time when collectively um, within the triangles network, there's an opportunity to pay great attention to the flow of energy into the centers, not so much into the cities themselves, but to the etheric centers uh, lying behind the, the five planetary inlets. The downflow of light and love, and wisdom, power, and all the spiritual energy that is available for the retuning of humanity to its own higher purpose, its own higher nature. Um, 
So it's really just, just recognizing that whatever happens going forward in terms of the, the various parts of the planet returning to, to more frenetic activity, we're actually now in the quietest period when for those of us involved in, in healing, um, the, end, the healing energies can actually be invoked through and into the etheric body, not only of the planet, but specifically also of humanity itself. Um, and that could bring about the very kind of shift that some of us affirm is happening, some of us hope is happening. Um, and all those who are talking about a, a post-virus world, that not just hope, but actually the invocation, focus and attention we give now, it, this could be the most significant opportunity we, we have had in our lifetimes and going forward. So it is a great service that we could render simply by following the little hints and guidelines um, that we've actually been preparing and practicing with some of us for many years, some of us maybe more recently, and it doesn't matter because all our efforts bring about a wonderful um, alignment and synchronization of our invocative activity. So that's the kind of uh, trend of thought that I, I hope um, is a contribution. Thank you. Thank you so much, Clarence. Um, we have to stop soon, uh, Susan, but I just wanted to say, ask you if you had any suggestions being a psychotherapist. Um, I wondered if you had any suggestions because many people are struggling. Um, even though we understand this is a great opportunity, there still are moments of fear. And so I wondered if you had anything you'd like to share with the group, practical steps or anything that hasn't already been mentioned. Well, I think there, you know, the different levels, the physical, the emotional, the mental, the spiritual. And I think we have to make sure we're trying to really integrate all of them and utilize all of them. I mean, you know, because we, the, the tension builds and the isolation might build. So, you know, we do have to stay socially connected, you know, not physically separate, but socially connected and spiritually connected. And I, you know, I mean, there are just so many different tools, you know, from making sure that uh, you're using your creativity, you're connecting to people, you're you know, using many, many tools to feel the balance. Of course, I mean, in our work, meditation and, um, but, you know, creative writing, singing, making sounds, because I believe a lot in sound, dancing around the house, <laughs> you know, there are just so many things that uh, we have to release the tension and keep aligning and making sure the centers are finding a balance yeah thank you thank you uh, i just wanted to close with a comment by maureen richmond yes the period of world quietude is definitely lining up with the period of the three linked festivals here in the u.s stay-at-home orders are in effect right up to the beginning of the WESAC period everyone is in their home ashram mode so <laughs> that is a Truism. So let's take advantage of it, as Clarence said. So thank you so much, Susan, and thank you all to everyone for participating and uh, providing this service to humanity and hierarchy. So let's just close with a moment of silence.
Thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you.